Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. We've been in a series that we've been calling Healthy House. Have you guys enjoyed this? Right, we've been in a, a series of talks we've called Healthy House, really taking a little bit of time to look in as we prepare to look out. Right, and we've used that story of when Jesus saw his disciples out fishing and they had been fishing all night. This is after he had died and rose again on the cross. He sees his, his dudes kind of going back to what they had done before and they have totally strike out, right? They're catching no fish. It's been a totally awful night of fishing. And then he sees them and he's standing on the beach. He hollers out to him. He's like, hey, have y'all caught anything? right? Every fisherman loves to hear that question whenever they haven't caught anything, right? And so they're like, nah, Jesus, we haven't caught anything. And we actually, they didn't know it was Jesus. I got ahead of myself there. So they're like, nah, homie, on the beach, we didn't catch anything. You know, why don't you shut your mouth, right? And so then he, uh, he says, hey, do me a favor. If you don't mind, throw your nets on the other side of the boat, right? And how many of you guys grew up in church and saw this on a felt board? Right? Anybody? Okay. So then they throw their nets on the other side of the boat. And then all of a sudden there's so much fish in their nets. Like the nets are like breaking and all this crazy like fish are flying. Right? And they can't even pull the nets into the boat. And the thing that's amazing to me about that story is not that Jesus did an incredible miracle. It's not that Jesus did something that spoke so much more than the practical provision of fish to these fishermen. It's the fact that the only responsibility of the dudes in the boat was to make sure that they had nets. That's it. They had no control over what was going to happen when they threw the nets in the water. But the thing they did have control of was the fact that they needed nets. And so as we're leaning in these past couple of weeks, and this week we'll kind of close this series off, is that we're leaning into saying, hey, how strong are our nets? Are we prepared for when Jesus says, throw your nets on the other side of the boat? Are we prepared for what we really do expect, which is that God's going to do such an amazing thing in our community as we gather together on Sunday mornings and throughout the week in life groups, that it's going to be so big and massive and beyond our ability to ask, hope, or dream, or imagine that we just need to make sure that our nets are strong so that we can hold what he's going to bring. Can I get an amen? Right? And so that's what this whole series has kind of been built around is this idea of let's make sure we are strong inside as we're expecting God to do something outside. We want to have a healthy heart, right? And so we leaned in week one to Psalms 92, right? And let's see if we remember it. The righteous will what? Wow, it's weak. Come on, church. The righteous will what? Come on, Wes. You're louder than that. The The righteous will what? The righteous will flourish. Let's go old school. Throw it up. The righteous will flourish. Read it with me. The righteous will flourish like a plant tree. I said plain tree. Like a cedar of Lebanon. Don't listen to me. Y'all just keep reading. They will still bear fruit in old age, and they will stay so fresh and so green, green, right? So fresh and so green, green. The righteous will what? Flourish, right? And so we talked about the fact that healthy hearts start in dirt. Our souls have to be rooted in good dirt. The souls are the roots of our heart have to dig deep into the character of God, the soil of the character of God. And when we are planted in the house of the Lord, we will 
flourish. No matter what's coming at us, no matter the storm that's swirling around us, no matter the, the degree of the wind and the waves, no matter the pressure of the circumstances that you're facing, the righteous will flourish because we are rooted in the character and nature of God. And so we kind of drew a line in the sand and said that we are committed to making sure that we're in good dirt. That we're only going to be as strong as a church. Our nets are only going to be as strong as we are rooted in the soil of the character of God. And then last week, we took a little time to dive into this, this question mark that hangs over all of us, which is, am I disqualified? Am I disqualified? And we drove at this through the lens of some lepers that had an encounter with Jesus, and Jesus spoke to them and didn't say, go be healed. He didn't say, go cleanse yourself. He didn't say, go wash in a river. He said, go show yourself to the priest. Because he wanted them to have a moment of seeing that one day we are going to stand in front of a great high priest who does not treat us as our sins deserve. And he is going to look at us in an unclean state. And he is going to declare over us because of the blood of Jesus, clean. So all of us have stepped over from being disqualified to uniquely qualified. No matter where we're coming from, we can all come back. And we said that, man, when you do that, all of a sudden when you experience the glory and the kindness and the, the majesty of God and he looks at you and he doesn't declare over you what you deserve, but he declares over you how he sees you through the lens of grace, through the power of the cross, all of a sudden Psalms 84 makes an enormous amount of sense, which is says, hey, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Somebody who's encountered the God who looks at you and says, you're not disqualified, you're uniquely qualified. When that passage goes on, it says, I would rather be a door holder. I'd rather be on the fit team holding a door, waving a banner in 125 degree heat than to be anywhere because I've encountered the God who looked at me and didn't say disqualified. He said uniquely qualified, the great high priest, Jesus, who doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, but he treats us with grace. And so we said, hey, let's all live and serve and Give, not from a place of obligation, but from a place of gratification. God, we're thankful. Man. We just want to be here. Yeah. I just want to be in this cafetorium, man. I just want to sweat it out, God. I want to sweat with you. Yeah. I want to show up, God. I just want to be in your house. I just want to be in your presence. I just want to give of what I have. And maybe I'm great at accounting and maybe that's what I need to give. Maybe I'm an incredible drummer and that's what I need to give. Maybe I'm awesome at giving people hugs. That's what I need to give. But when, we, when you are thankful for the God who looks at you and doesn't say disqualified but says uniquely qualified, then you're like, I'm in. And so we don't serve the house because the church somehow needs us to. We serve the house because we get to. We get to. And, man, you guys responded. We were overwhelmed. So many cards. You guys turned in. People, people adding blanks. That was my favorite part. We gave you, like, nine options. And people are like, and this one. 
I love that. I love that. But here's the thing. If you didn't have an opportunity to fill out one of those cards and you're like, man, I want to do that, then they're on your seat and they say serve and you can check that out and write your name on there and somebody from that team is going to lean in to you because better is one day. Better is one day than a thousand elsewhere. And this week, we kind of want to take one more step in this journey. And we're going to look at Matthew 9. And we're going to start in verse 27. Matthew 9, verse 27. It says this, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. And when he had gone indoors, because this was based in Texas and it was 197 degrees, the blind man came to him and he asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. And then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. And Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. And then check out verse 31. But they went out. And spread the news about him all over the region. How about that? Some blatant rebellion for the sake of the kingdom, all right? So if you're a little rebellious, you're in a good place, okay? So, but they went out and spread the news about him all over the region. And check out verse 32. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and couldn't talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out and the man who had been mute spoke, the crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. And I want to kind of drive in to verse 31 that says, but they went out and they spread the news about him all over the region. Because here's the thing, that is why we're here. That is why we're here. We're here because Jesus has encountered us and we have, someone has spread good news to us and out of them spreading good news to us, we've found ourselves in a community of people that are helping us and walking with us and carrying us forward as we're becoming more like him and the news continues to spread. That's why I get so encouraged when darkness rears its head in our nation because we have a good news light source because the promise is that the kingdom of heaven will come to earth. And when that kingdom comes to earth, the name that is above every other name is louder than the shouts of racism. That name is louder than the shouts of depression. That name is louder than the shouts of dis disenfranchised and broken people. The name of Jesus is our hope, and the news of that name needs to spread. So here's my topic for this morning. It's more than a selfie. It's more than a selfie. The selfie has changed human interaction, right? This right here, That was a good smile I gave. That little moment right there, that has changed the way humans interact. It's changed the goal of meeting new people. Have you ever, like, really admired somebody from afar? Maybe you're impacted by their life. Maybe you really read their book and were changed. 
you know, maybe you heard a story about their life and you were super impacted, and then you had a moment where you see them, like, by just in, by chance, like at a restaurant or an airport or something. Does that happen to anybody else? Okay, so this happened to me with this dude named Marcus Luttrell. Do you guys know who Marcus Luttrell is? Okay, Marcus Luttrell is the guy who's known as the lone survivors in Navy SEAL. Him and a couple of his buddies get, like, ambushed by 100 Taliban, and they, like, slaughter most of them. And he's the only dude that makes it out alive. I've read the book and seen the movie like a million times. I feel like I know the guy. I've tracked down every interview I can find, watched the special features, right? I mean, I love Mark, total man crush on Marcus Luttrell. I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana with Liz. We just got done speaking at a church there, and we're walking in the airport. We're getting ready to go to our gate. I look to the left. Marcus freaking Luttrell is walking, and I'm like, Liz, like total fanboy. You know what I mean? I'm like, ah. Oh. Liz, that's Marcus Luttrell. And I'm a sweet, beautiful wife who's such a patriot goes, who's that? God bless America, right? And so it's like, I say, I'm like, oh my gosh, baby, this is a lone survivor. He's the, he's the guy. He's like, ah. I was like, I got to go meet him. You know what I mean, I've got to go meet him. So without even thinking, I just like barrel over to him. And I'm like, Marcus, like we're buddies. Marcus, and he looks at me kind of like, do I know you, you know what I'm saying, and I'm like, Marcus, I just, my, my name is Jay, first of all, thank you for your service, wow, this is amazing, and like, I just wanted to say I've read everything, you're, you're so cool, I was like super inspired by everything, and, and as I'm talking to him, I feel ice from his eyes onto me, not friendly man at all. Okay, so I'm picking up on this, and I really wanted a selfie, right? I wanted that. Hey, dude, be on my Instagram story real quick. You know what I'm saying? Like, look at my new friend, Marcus Luttrell. That's what I wanted, but he was so not happy to see me, there's no way that selfie was getting taken. I started picking up on the vibes, and I was like, okay, dude, good to see you. Nice to meet you. I'm out, you know? So now Liz and I are making our way to the gate. He goes and checks in. He ends up being on our flight, so we interact with him again, okay? Our flight ends up being delayed, and it's, we're in Baton Rouge Airport, which you've ever been there. It's, like, super small. So there's, like, one bar, one place to go, and, like, nine gates. That's it. And so Liz goes, you know what, J.D., you know what you need to do? And I was like, what? She goes, you need to go have Marcus Luttrell write Tate a note. I'm like, uh-uh. I felt like he almost about killed me already. And what you don't know is that Tate wants to be a soldier. He wants to be a Navy SEAL. And so, like, this is a cool opportunity for Tate, uh, you know, to be able to say, hey, this guy wrote you a note. But I'm thinking, no way. I'm not doing that. He didn't, I didn't even want to take a picture with that guy, let alone am I going to go up a second time and be like, hey, dude, what's up? Can you write my son a note? Okay, dudes don't do that. Like, when's the last time you saw two homies exchanging notes? So I got all kinds of things working against me right now. Like, I am scared, I am terrified, and this is awkward, okay? Well, so then she pulls the, the, the trump card out, and she's like, okay, well, I'll go do it. All right? So here's the thing. Now I got to do it, okay? I can't for the rest of my life tell this story of when we met Marcus Luttrell and I'm too scared to go get a note from him for my son, right? That can't, so now I have to do it. So I got a, a yellow pad and a pen and I'm making my way to this little bar that's in the Baton Rouge airport and I'm just trembling, terrified, right? I know how this is going to go. I know it's not going to go well. And so I go and he's sitting like at the bar like this. And so I come from behind him. I'm about this far from him and I'm like with fear and trembling, I'm like, uh, Excuse me, Mr. Luttrell. 
I, 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 really, I really hate to do this. And this is what he did. He's sitting there. And he turns like this to me. Cold, stone cold, man. Just stone cold. And he's like, then don't. I'm like, oh, 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 oh. so sorry. I didn't mean, I, sorry, sir. I didn't mean to bother you, sir, you know? And so I turn, and then all of a sudden I feel this shoom on my arm, like this super intense grip, grip of death. I'm like, this is it. I poop myself. This is it. I'm about to die. I'm about to get murdered in the Baton Rouge airport, and this is all Liz's fault. And like, so he grabs me, boom, and I'm like, ah. And so I turn like, with like a deer in the headlights. Yes. He's like, I'm just messing with you, bro. Have a seat. We ended up sitting down. We had a cool conversation. He wrote this amazing note to Tate about not giving up and never quitting. We got it framed. It's so cool. What an incredible memory, right? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Selfies wouldn't have given me that moment. Hey, Mr. Luttrell, let me take a picture with you real quick. He probably treated me the way he treated me because he was over people wanting to just get a photo with him. But if you take time and you dig and you go from a moment to a conversation, everything changes. Everything changes. I wonder how many things in our lives don't go as we thought they were going to go. Right, you have a moment, you have a, uh, you're going to meet somebody, you're going to do a presentation, you risk on a new job, you ask somebody out on a date, and it doesn't go the way you thought it was going to go. And that experience can sometimes harden us from wanting to try to do it again, right? Has, has, has life taught any of you any lessons or just me? Okay, I'm so much more cautious when I'm on a skateboard now than I was when I was 16. Because I have fallen a lot more than I have now. I mean, I've fallen more now than I did when I was 16, okay? Whenever you almost break your hip skating, you never look at a skateboard as the same again, right? That moment marked the way that I approach everything. Life does the same thing to us all the time, right? Our, our encounters with people, circumstances, situations, they jade us or sometimes harden us from being able to receive sometimes good things because our experiences sometimes create in us opportunities to get a hard heart. The greatest fight I have found in my life with Jesus is not to believe that he's God, it's not to come to church and to enjoy worship. It's not to try to read my Bible every day. That's not the fight. The fight is to keep a soft heart. That's the fight. The fight is to keep a soft heart because humanity has always had a propensity to drift. We all drift. 
to turn a moment into a monument. So you have a moment with God. You have an encounter with God, right? These people in this story had an encounter with Jesus. They saw him bring restoration to blind people. The demons flew out of a dude, and now he can speak encounter, right? Can we all agree that that was an encounter with something that was greater than themselves? And the news of that can't help but spread, right? It can't help but leak out on people. That's an encounter. But we weren't just created to have a encounter. We weren't created to walk around and just scroll through our photos and say, oh yeah, I remember that one time when Jesus did something. It's not a monument. It's a moment. It's a moment. And those moments are supposed to happen every day. It's supposed to be a daily moment. But we have a tendency to drift, to dry out. All of us do, right? It's kind of like this. Check this out. We've got a little illustration here. You guys ready to make a mess? Okay. This is a sponge. Good for nothing. Right? It's hard. It's not cool. It's weird looking. You know, it looks like dried boogers smashed together. This is worth nothing. Right? I mean, it's not comfortable. It has a weird texture to it. But when you pour water on it, what happens? Right? It begins to fill up. And it's, it, 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 it literally changes completely. And this is what happens when we have an encounter with God. We're like a sponge. We're just a vessel that's to hold his presence and his glory. And when we experience something, we get filled up. And when you're full, right, then it's like, of course the news is going to spread. Look at this, right? Just, you just go sit next to somebody when you're full and just splatters. It's not hard. Like, this is not difficult. You know, that's not a hard thing. It, it's only hard if I set this here and we just leave it alone for a little while. And we don't add water to it. Eventually, this sponge is going to go back to what it was before, which is just hard, rough, and brittle. Because it's only soft and splashy. I'm just a sixth grader in a grown-up's body, I promise you. When it's full. When it's full. So here's the thing. Do we love moments with Jesus? Yes. Do we long for moments with Jesus? Yes. But if you are hanging on to yesterday's moment, hoping that it's going to get you through today, eventually you will become hard. Because we need a constant influx of grace, life, revelation and truth if we want the news of Jesus to spread, right? So check this out. Hebrews 3 says today, everybody say today. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, 
Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness when your ancestors tested and tried me. So for 40 years, they saw what I did, and that's why I was angry with that generation. And I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my way. So I declared an oath in my anger that they shall never enter my rest. Now check this out. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another, what? Daily, Daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Right? Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart heart. Why does today matter? Why does today? Because we're just, we are a couple days away from being completely dry. No matter who you are, the people of Israel, this, the, the writer of Hebrews here is alluding to when God delivered the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. Literally miracles beyond our ability to even explain. Crazy stuff, man. I'm talking about the sea opening up and creating walls and people walking across on dry ground. Okay, crazy stuff. And in all of these miracles of God doing incredible things, literally a fireball leading them in the night. Has anyone been led around by a fireball? No, I haven't. If you have, please, I'd love to hear about it. It must have been amazing. That's never happened to me. Cloud by day. We're talking about daily revelation of the living God being a rescuer and providing for them. And their hearts still did what? Drifted. They still drifted. It just goes to prove the point. It doesn't matter how big the encounter you had. If your moment turns into a monument, you eventually will become hard. He could have plucked you out of years of addiction. He could have restored a marriage that was on the rocks. He could have done things and provided for you financially that is beyond anything you could ever imagine. But if that is just a moment that you convert to a monument, a photo that you just scroll through and not something that drives you into going, okay, I got to go back for more. Then we're just a couple of days away from becoming hard. Today, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. So here's the thing. I know. Look, let's be real. Life hardens us. Stuff is, man, painful things are going on right now. Maybe everything that's going on in our country right now is hitting you and it feels personal. Maybe you are trying to find a job and it doesn't matter what you do, you just can't. Maybe you are the marriage that's on the rocks, right? Maybe you're just sitting here coexisting. Maybe your spouse isn't even here today. And your heart is going, man, Jesus, you, I believe you. I really do. But my heart is getting hard. Here's what's beautiful about God. He made a way for this for the people of Israel, and he made a way for us today. This is what it says, Isaiah 55. Come. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the what? Waters. Matthew 11, starting in verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you 
rest. Are you thankful for a God who makes a way for us to come back? Makes a way for us to say, you know what, my heart is hard, God. Life has calloused me. This relationship has tainted me. My experience, I have turned it into a monument. I'm trying to roll on the, the, the high I got on a mission trip last year. And I'm trying to do everything that I did on that mission trip to try to get some kind of an experience. Let me just first define encounter. Because I think we think that an encounter with God has some kind of definition. An encounter is not an emotional experience. Can I get an amen? You can experience something life-transforming and feel nothing. Emotions sometimes follow revelation. Rarely do they lead. Emotions usually lead us to weird revelation, honestly. Right? I was listening to an interview with Kanye, which is always interesting. And he was saying some stuff, and this is what he said, and I quote, You know, the only thing that's real is what I feel. Feelings are facts. And I was like, oh, bro, I'm glad I'm not you. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, for real. Can you imagine if your feelings became factual? Your emotions are used by God, right? They're a good gauge. What did Van teach us a few weeks ago? They're a good gauge, but they're not a good guide. And so an encounter with God is not some emotional experience. An encounter is saying, I'm going to come. That's it. I'm going to show up. I'm going to wake up 30 minutes earlier and I'm going to show up. And I'm going to say, God, I need an encounter today. Thanks for yesterday. Thank you for last week. Thank you for that time on the mission trip where it was huge. Thank you for that time at youth camp where my mind got blown. But I need it today. I need a moment today, daily, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. I need a moment today because, God, I'm just a a couple days away from being dry. And I don't want to be a dry, crusty, mad Christian. There's enough of them. I want to be somebody who spreads the news of Jesus. The news of Jesus spread, man. Full people spill. Spill. Full people spill. Man, the the world is not looking for you to be perfect. The world's not looking for you to have the answers. The world's not looking for you to be the solution to their problems. They just need you to spill on them. They just need you to get full and to say, God, I'm coming to the waters. I'm weary. Give me strength. God, fill me with truth. Let the word of God come alive in me. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to walk into your office and everyone is going to go, I'm so glad they came in today because I can feel the good news coming out of them. I can feel it. I don't have language for it. I can't explain it. But whenever I'm with them, something gets on me and I like it. And, and, and I, I, I like that all of a sudden I might have a little bit of hope for today. And it doesn't just feel like I'm surviving this work day, but I'm finding a way to thrive in it because full people spill. That's what happens. We need to have a daily, everybody say today. 
Today, when you hear his voice, don't heart. He wants to meet you today. All we have to do is come. Check this out. Ezekiel 36. I'm going to close with this. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. And I will sprinkle clean what? Water on you and you will be clean. And I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. And I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So this is incredible news. Because if you're here this morning and you're like, I have a heart of stone. My heart is beyond hardening. I am hard. Maybe you've never met Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've never had that moment where you feel the grace and life and purity and water of heaven pouring over your dry, worn out, used up soul. You've never had that moment and you're going, would somebody please give me some water? Maybe that's you. Maybe you've never had an encounter with Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never had that moment where you've said, God, I'm giving my life to you. I'm I'm done trying to be my own king. I'm no good at it. My life is crazy, jacked up. I'm destined for hell and separation from you for eternity. And I'm saying, God, I need a rescuer. Jesus, would you come and be who I need right now? Maybe you're sitting here and you prayed that prayer when you were 17 years old and you haven't prayed it since. And you're, you're hoping that a moment is going to hold you for a lifetime when Jesus is saying, today, today. And the people of Israel, when they were wandering around the desert having all these miracles happen, this crazy thing happened to them. God would feed them with manna from heaven. And every morning, manna would fall down on their camp, and they only had one rule. Only take what you need for today. And if they tried to get greedy and say, I'm going to make this moment a monument, and they took more, it would rot in their house the next day, boom, it was gone. Because yesterday's moment is supposed to drive you into expectation of today. It's not supposed to be your moment for today. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. And good news, God is here to bring hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. And he wants to fill us up so that when we leave this place, we can't help but give out those invitation cards for church. Because you're like, dude, I'm just squishy right now. It's, I'm spilling. Because full people spill. So would you stand with me? Because we all want to respond to this. If my leaders can make their way forward and just begin to line the front of the room, as always here at Antioch, if there's anything going on in your world where we can have your back, we want to pray for you. These guys are here to love on you, to, to support you, to lift your arms up, to be there for you in a time of need. But specifically, if you're here this morning and your heart has grown cold, you have experienced the reality of a hard heart and you need a heart of flesh to be transplanted into you, then please come and respond. 
And specifically, if you don't know Jesus, if Jesus is not your king, if you have not made that decision, I'm getting ready to pray, and I want to know who you are. So if we could just right now, everybody close their eyes. Everybody just have a moment with God. Just begin to ask God how you can respond. And if that's you, if you want to know Jesus today, if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, if you're saying, my heart is hard, my life is destroyed, I need a rescuer, can you just raise your hand? Can you just be so bold? Every single week we see people saved almost. There we go, I see that hand. A couple of hands in this room. Come on, church. Can somebody make some noise for God doing what he does? So here's the thing. If you raise your hand, I want you to pray with me. Jesus, I give you my life. I am yours. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And set me on fire for your glory and your name. God, fill me up so I can spill out. In your name we pray. Amen. Come on, church. Come on, church. So, hey. The band's going to sing and we're going to respond. If you need to do business with God, do it. If you need people to pray for you, come forward. Let's leave here changed. Let's have a moment. Let's not remember a monument because today, If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Amen? God, move. Bring your grace and life. Thank you that you're here today. So come, take us past the selfie and into an encounter that's going to give us what we need for today. And let that spark a lifestyle of encounters from this day forward.